So we are continuing our summer series. We're looking at the stories that Jesus told. We're working through some of the parables. And today we're looking at a parable, the persistent widow. So if you've got a Bible, we're in Luke 18, verses 1 to 8. If you don't have a Bible, then the verses are going to appear on the screen behind. So we'll just read those together. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said to them, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet. Because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However... When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And as we go through this summer series, we we realize that Jesus often spoke in parables. And some people, when they heard these stories, some people understood, others didn't. And what makes this slightly different to a lot of the parables is that Luke makes the meaning of the story really clear from the start. And then Jesus immediately interprets it for the disciples. So if we start in verse 1, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. There we are. No confusion about what this parable is about. Jesus wanted his disciples to understand the importance of not just praying, but persisting in prayer. Not giving up when it appears like prayers are not being answered, but to keep on going, to keep on praying. And the motivation for that persistence to not give up, but to keep praying, is understanding God's heart. And his willingness to respond to our prayers. So there's two main characters in this story. The first character is a desperate widow. And it's not easy being a widow. But in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, being a widow would have been a really desperate situation. She was unlikely to have had any education, a job, money of her own, property or status. There was no state pension, there was no social security to take care of her needs. When her husband died, she lost her provider and her protector. And a widow at this time was a symbol of all who were poor and defenseless. And she had this adversary Um, We don't know what it was that they were doing. We don't know whether it was intimidation, whether they were withholding something that belonged to her, whether there was something that some funds she should have had. We don't know what it was, but whatever they were doing was making life more difficult for her. And she had no one to protect her, no one to intervene on her behalf, no one to come to her aid. The only person that she could go to was a local judge and plead for help. 
She would have had no influence, no money, nothing to make it worthwhile for this judge to vindicate her. But she was relentless in her pursuit of the judge and the justice that she deserved. Enter the second character, the unjust judge. And Jesus sums him up by stating that he neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Other translations say he neither feared God nor respected man. So without a fear of God, there is no sense of accountability, no sense of one day I'm going to have to stand before God as my judge and give an account of what I've done. And without respect for people, there was real indifference as to his decisions and how it affected those who came to him looking for justice. If he didn't respect people, if people didn't matter, then his position and his power was about serving himself and using it for his own gain. The people that came to him weren't people to be helped or served or cared for. They were problems and interruptions and hassles. So the story tells us that the widow goes to the judge seeking justice and he refuses And she goes again, and he refuses. And verse 4 tells us, for some time he refused. And we, we don't have any understanding of whether that was weeks, whether that was months, whether that was years. But he refused, but his reluctance didn't stop her. She came again and again, pleading for justice. She had no one, nothing, no money to bribe him. She needed him to act on her behalf, so she kept on going and kept on pleading her cause. And verse 4 and 5 says, but finally, he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so she won't eventually come and attack me. And and we can see just just by the way he phrases that, he repeats again what Jesus has already said about him. And uh, he didn't have a change of heart. He didn't suddenly develop compassion towards this widow or her plight. He didn't fear God or care what people said. Yet, and this is the turning point, yet because she keeps bothering me. I need to do something to shut her up. She is there constantly at my case all the time. And if I don't do something, if I don't shut her up, if I don't grant her justice, then how far is she going to go? She's wearing me out with her persistent, continuous, unrelenting pleas. And I need to do something to stop her, not for her sake, but for my sake. And that was the attitude of the judge. And this widow, she kept uh, keeping on. She kept presenting her case to the judge despite his refusal to act. She didn't stop till she got to the point where the judge just couldn't take it anymore. And he didn't want to see her. And he didn't want to have to deal with her. And he didn't want to listen to her case. And therefore, he ensured that she got justice. He granted the widow the justice she needed the protection from those that were oppressing her, not because it was the right thing to do, not because he cared about the widow and a plight, 
but because she would not give in and she wore him down. And Jesus, it says right at the beginning, Jesus told this story to show them they should always pray and not give up. So on first reading of this, it's really easy to misinterpret this parable. If we're like the widow, if we're unable to advocate for ourselves, if we're in need of God's intervention, then God must be like the judge. And we need to pester him and we need to bang on the door of heaven and we need to keep on going until we wear God down. And eventually, he'll answer us just to shut us up. That is not what this parable is about. That is not the correct interpretation. Prayer is not about wearing God down till he eventually gives in and God is nothing like that callous judge. In fact, Jesus went straight on to interpret the story himself as soon as he finished telling it. Verse 6. And the Lord says, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. Jesus wanted to make it really clear. He's saying to his disciples, you know how the judge responded to the widow. You know his reluctance. But now consider God. Consider how God responds to his chosen ones. Often when we're reading parables, there's lots of similarities. We look at the characters and we see the similarities. But this is a parable of opposites. On this side, you've got the judge. And we know that he was unrighteous. He was unfair. He was disrespectful. And he was uncaring. And in contrast, Jesus was saying, over here you've got God. And he is righteous and he is just and he is holy and he is tender and he is compassionate and he is responsive. Jesus was not comparing God to the unjust judge. He was contrasting them. The meanest over here, the meanest judge who had position of power but didn't care less to the most generous, loving, kind God over here. Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? If somebody here who is completely unjust acts on behalf of the widow for all the wrong reasons, not for her sake, but for his own, then how much more will God, who is perfect in love, perfect in righteousness, hear our cries and act on our behalf? If an unjust judge surrenders to the persistence of a pleading widow that he has absolutely no interest in, then how much more will God honour the persistence of his own children who he does care for, who he does love? It's about the contrast 
God is nothing like the judge. They are opposites. And Jesus is using the judge as an example to stress how much more, how much greater God's response is by comparing it to someone who falls so far short of God's attributes. He's comparing the lesser to the greater. If a reluctant, unjust judge grants justice when a widow persists, how much more willing is God and how much more responsive is he because he's loving and compassionate? And we started the meeting today by declaring how good God is. And God is good. And it's not just that God does good things. He is by nature good. It's who he is. He cannot not be good. In in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Which of you, if a son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? If earthly fathers on this side, who ordinarily understand how to give good gifts to their children, how much more does your heavenly Father, who is perfect in every way, delight and desire to give good gifts to those who ask? It's the same principle. Jesus is arguing from the lesser to the greater. The lesser, the earthly fathers, if they do it, if they want to give good gifts to their children, how much more, just imagine, how much more does God want to do that? There is no sin in God. He is perfect. How much more will God want to do that? And Jesus is saying, you understand this example, Because this is an everyday example. This is something you encounter all the time. And I'm taking this example and I'm trying to stress to you how much more God delights to do it. And the goodness of God towards his people, his children. So if you have in mind the picture that God is like the unjust judge, I just want to let you know that that is not a biblical view of God. That is not what God is like. When we pray, we don't have to wear God out. We don't have to twist his arm to get him to respond to us. God wants us to pray. We are not bothering God when we come to him. Prayer is God's idea. God invites us to pray. We, we looked at, we were going through 1 Peter recently. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. God's inviting us to bring all our needs to him. In Philippians 4 verse 6 it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, not giving up, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. The invitation to come to him. 
And it's impossible to come into God's presence uninvited because the Bible tells us to pray continuously in 1 Thessalonians. Understanding this parable is about understanding and acknowledging that God is not just different from this judge. He is the opposite. God does not ignore our cries. God hears his children. The widow was unknown to the judge and he had no interest in her. God is not indifferent to our needs. We are his chosen ones. Chosen by God, he's our heavenly father. We are adopted as his children. In Romans 8 verse 31 to 33 it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. The unjust judge was indifferent to the widow and her plight. But God is not indifferent towards us. He's for us. He gave his son for us. And Jesus is stressing that if the unjust judge can be moved by the persistent petition of a stranger for whom he has no regard, how much more will God act to bring about justice for his own children, for those whom he loves? For those that cry out to him day and night, those who persist in prayer and don't give up, the promise is that he will act on our behalf. He did not spare his own son for us. How will he not also graciously hear our prayers and give us all things? If we go back to verse 7, it says, And will not God bring justice for his chosen ones? who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? The answer is no. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. We are not abandoned, but adopted children of God. We are part of his family. We matter to God. We're not trying to find ways of getting God's attention. We have access to the Father through the Son. The widow had no advocate, but we have Jesus himself interceding on our behalf. So why did Jesus tell his disciples this story? He wanted to encourage them to pray and not give up. Because let's face it, prayer can be really hard work. And especially when we're praying and we're praying and it seems like God's not hearing us. And Jesus wanted his disciples to know and uh, that God does hear. He wants us to know that God does hear. God is for us. God will act on behalf of his children. And knowing God and having the right biblical understanding of him is our motivation to keep on praying and to keep on going, especially in the waiting. And in Matthew 7, just before the verses we've just looked at, 
Jesus invites us, encourages us to come to God in prayer. Verse 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Six times Jesus reinforces it. The repetition reinforces the invitation. Jesus really wants us to come to him in prayer. Three times he invites us and six times he promises that there will be a response. Ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Because everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks uh, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus encourages us to come and pray that our prayers are not in vain. We can pray with boldness and with confidence. We're just going to look again at verse 8. I tell you, he will see that they will get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? When Jesus comes back, and he will, will he find faith on earth? Will Jesus find the same kind of faith that this widow in the story had? Faith that prays persistently. Faith that refuses to give up. Faith that goes again and again. And knowing that this parable is, a, a, is an encouragement from Jesus to always pray and not give up, what stops us then from praying? And what causes us to give up too soon? And for me, you know, when, I, when, you, when you know you're preaching on prayer, you, you, you look at your own prayer life and you think, oh, this isn't great, is it? And I know for me, often the reason why I stop praying is because I'm not desperate enough. I want God to, to intervene. I want God to speak to me. But if he doesn't, I've probably got plan A or plan B or plan C up my sleeve. And I'll probably be able to model through on my own. And I remember when we were leaving London and we were coming down to Chichester and we needed somewhere to live and we needed somewhere to rent. And of course we were praying, God show us, provide that place for us. But also at the same time, I was looking on right move and thinking, you know, there's, there's loads of places. We'll find somewhere. It won't be a problem. You know, God direct us, help us to find the right place. But, you know, there's loads of places out there. And what happened was we got to the middle of January and we'd exchanged our house before Christmas. And the deadline was the 31st of January. And it was getting closer and closer to that point that we had to pack up and move out. And uh, all the properties that we went and viewed... For every property we went, there was five or six other people viewing it at the same time. And every time we found a property that we thought, oh, we could live here, we put an offer in and we said we'd like it. And every time it went to somebody else, somebody that was willing to sign a two-year contract. And they really just were not interested in somebody that only wanted six months. And with time running out and plenty of refusals, guess what? I got desperate and I was beginning to realize that the only way that we could find somewhere was if God intervened. 
And so my prayers took on a new urgency. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed every day, and I prayed constantly. And it was just that constant, God, if you don't move, we are not going to get something. It's just, we are just coming up against barrier after barrier. And I kept reminding God of his word, and I kept reminding him that he said, ask and seek and knock. And I'm going, God, I'm asking, and I'm seeking, and I'm knocking, and do this. And it was the desperation that drove me to pray and to keep on praying. And sometimes it is just the fact that the more desperate we are, when it's God alone who has the answers, the more likely we are to persist in prayer. And that's, my, that's for me, I know. Other reasons that stop us from praying might be the thought that, well, maybe we are bothering God with our requests. Well, I have asked and God hasn't answered, so maybe I am just bothering him. And I've heard people say that, you know, they're happy to pray for others, but they don't feel able to pray for themselves have this mindset that to do so would would be selfish or perhaps it's the thought that there are so many needs there are so many people and they've got such big needs that how can I come to God with my need because it seems so trivial and so much less in comparison and it wouldn't be right to trouble God with something that seems so much smaller in comparison to the big, big needs that are out there. You know, rather than bother God with that, it's probably better to get on with it and deal with it myself. You know, surely that's the right thing to do. But when we have the attitude, we're denying the character of God. We're denying that God is our heavenly father and he loves us as his children. He's not going well, their need's bigger, so I've only got so much capacity and I'm going to deal with them today. God invites us, each of us, as his children. So we, don't, we must not deny the character of God or our position as children. We don't bother God when we pray. We are not a nuisance to God. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he told them to call him Father, Daddy, There should be no hesitation to come to him with our needs. In Hebrews 4 verse 16 it says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. As children of God we are invited straight into his presence and we should come with confidence that God is interested in and he's able and he's willing to meet our needs. And Jesus contrasted God to the unjust judge to reinforce his willingness to act on behalf of his chosen, his children. And he compared the willingness of earthly good fathers to emphasize how much more God delights to give good things to his children. Another reason sometimes when we we give up praying is because we start off praying with faith and then we become despondent. Because we're praying, but nothing changes. Why continue to pray when God hasn't answered so far? And persisting in prayer is hard work. 
And Jesus knew that. That's why he told the disciples this story. He wanted to encourage them not to give up when they felt overwhelmed by silence and disappointment. And we can think that the lack of answers means that God doesn't care. And unanswered prayers are not indications of God's indifference. The unjust judge was indifferent, but God is not. When we begin to think like that, it's really important. We go back again to scripture and remind ourselves again of the truth of who God is and what he has promised. Verse 7, it says, And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you the truth. They will get justice and quickly. And the reality is that our timing is often not the same as God's. And although there's that word quickly, we still find ourselves waiting for answers. And the waiting is hard. But God has promised to act on behalf of his chosen ones. He promised that he will not keep putting us off. God is able to answer prayers and God is willing to respond to the cries of his children. And a, a book that I love, it's by Ronald Dunn, and it says uh, it's this title, Don't Just Stand There, Pray Something. And he says, God is interested in our prayers because he is interested in us. Prayer is God's idea. He created it for people who are weakened by sin, fickle in their commitments, at times overwhelmed by doubt, often discouraged and bewildered, and nearly always fretting about life. Well, if that describes me. I don't know whether it describes you or not. I'm sure it described the disciples. And Eugene Peterson, he says, prayer is not begging God to do something for us that he doesn't know about, or begging God to do something for us that he is reluctant to do, or begging God to do something that he hasn't time for. In prayer, we persistently, faithfully, trustingly come before God, submitting ourselves to his sovereignty, confident that he is acting right now on our behalf. Where does that confidence come from? It's rooted in the fact that we are his chosen ones. We are his children and he is our heavenly father. And it would kind of seem strange to talk all morning about prayer and how God wants us to persist without actually praying. And uh, so I just want to ask you, this is not to expose anyone, this is just between you and God. Are there things that you need to come to God again for? Are there things that you need God to act on your behalf for? Maybe it's an unsaved children or an unsaved partner, or unsaved parents, that you're longing to know God. Maybe you need to see a breakthrough in your family situation, or even your financial situation. It might be that you're desperate for God to bring healing, or you're crying out for somebody else to be healed. And there might be things that you've been praying for, for for years even, and yet you're yet to see the breakthrough. And, uh, and it's been really hard. And you've almost given up hoping 
And you kind of need God to, again, give you the faith to go again and the confidence to pray again. Whatever the situation is, whatever it is that you need God to intervene and act on your behalf. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray and then I'm just going to invite you. We're just going to have a space where you can pray. If you want to pray out loud, that's fine. If you just want to pray quietly, that's fine. But just a space for us as individuals. You don't have to ask anybody else. You don't tell anyone else what it is. But just a space for us as individuals to come again and say, God, you're my heavenly father and I need you. This is, what, this is the situation I'm facing and I need you to intervene. So if that's you, if there's something that you want to pray and you want God to answer and God to intervene, I'm just going to invite you just to stand right now where you are. And Guy had that word at the beginning about disappointment. God is not a God of disappointment. He wants to pour out his love into our lives. I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to leave space for you to pray. Father, we, we thank you that we come to you as our Heavenly Father, that we, we're your children. We come knowing that you, you, you are for us. You are not against us. We're, we're not bothering you. We're not pestering you. You're attentive to our cries. And Lord, we're desperate for you. There's so many situations, Lord, and we need you to intervene. We need you to do something. Lord, would you come? Build faith in our hearts. God, we know that we are loved by you. You're, you, you invite us to come and, and bring all these burdens to you. Lord, we, this is what we're doing standing here today. We're coming before you and saying, Lord, here we are again. For some of us, we've been here a long time. But Lord, we're crying out to you. Lord, would you hear our cries? Would you hear our prayers? Lord, come. Come bring breakthrough. Bring salvation. Bring healing. Give us faith to keep on going. Lord, knowing that we're coming to a God with open arms. A God who is for us and not against us. A God who gave his son to die for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.